back friends to the joe blow horror show we review rate discuss and break down horror movies not horror films here at the joe blow horror show i am joined as always by the host with the most mr tibu oh. what's yeah, up you hey, coffee drinking some bitch <laughs> the coffee is to keep me awake otherwise i'd be snoozing right now man but i appreciate that i'm glad to be here with you boss tuna Boss Tuna Sai. Yes, that's Yeah. <laughs> Part two of episode numbered 29. We are going to be covering funny games from 1997. In this episode. <laughs> oh, ha 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 ha, funny games. In I'm this sorry. episode, we are going to. We're going to hit you with a couple of shotgun reviews. We're going to do our second feature review, and then we're going to finish it off fleshlight style with a segment entitled Actors Spotlight. You can only guess who it's going to be, and I will give you a hint. You will want to have your fleshlight ready, ladies, because this is going to be a gem. Wait, what the fuck? Wait, wait what? That didn't make sense. Uh. <laughs> Delirium has kicked in. Ladies, get your fleshlight ready for your men. If you get your there you go. choice. Yes. <laughs> oh shit. What are you drinking? Oh man. I made <laughs> I made coconut curry tonight and I like pepper sprayed my entire cabin here. And I think it's getting to my head. But without further ado, why don't we step into the shotgun review realm? For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Yeah. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! All right, Mr. Tibu, I'm going to give you the honors. What is your first shotgun review of the evening? All right. Uh, I hadn't seen this film since I was a kid, and I'm I'm a huge Stephen King fan, so nah, this is right up my alley when it comes to long-form stories. Uh, Stephen King miniseries, they've kind of been hit and miss, but when they hit, they really hit, like The Stand. I really love that, or Storm of the Century. Um, but one, one of them from when I was a kid was re- originally, re- uh, originally released in 1979 and that is Salem's Lot. Uh, the character. I didn't know that was Mirror. a miniseries. Yeah. Originally it was a, oh, no uh, I believe a three part miniseries, um, an hour each. And if you're watching the editing 
and the time you can like the time uh running time of the film yep. you can kind of see where they left the cliffhanger going on you know um but author ben mears returns to his hometown of salem's lot he's obsessed with a creepy ass building there known as the marston house where a lot of brutal shit went down and at just the same time a strange odd man from out of town moves in and opens an antique shop and promises I, that soon his partner mr barlow will be here i have to interrupt you and all i gotta say is you have to let's pretend this is a 2020 and not give you a rating because ironically enough this is on my short list even before we were talking about this as a movie i want to go real deep into so let's just do uh, pretend it's like a 2020 instead of giving a specific how's that sound that's fine. Okay. Um, okay. So, anyways, well, keep shenanigans ensue. Since we, if we're gonna if we're gonna deep dive this thing, then I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna put a pin in it right there, and uh, we'll touch we'll touch back on this movie in the in the I future, guess, the near future. Okay. Uh, do you even want to tip your 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 hat, show your cards to this, or or how do you want to? Well, if we're gonna talk about it again, I will rewatch it before that episode. Yep. Um, okay. So at this point in time, to tip my hat, I've got a little love for it. Okay. So. Okay. Well, there you go. That's Salem's Lot. That's uh, what year is that? 1979. 79. I can't believe it's that old already. Crazy. Ooh, hey, hey, man. But the, some, some of the, the uh, makeup effects still, still hold oh. up. Uh, all right. The kid, flo- the kid floating outside the window. That's all I'm going to say. Fuck that. okay so for my shock and reviews we are going to do a little bit something different um i'm not going to just do regular movies i've got two that are going to carry kind of a little bit of a theme so the first one we are going to talk about is a 2020 hbo miniseries called lovecraft country I checked this out. I told Tibu to put it on his shortlist. Check it out because it's over at the nightclub. If you guys haven't tuned in lately, check it out. They're kind of in, uh, I mean, they're, they're balls deep in, in Lovecraft right now. Um, Tibu's yeah. <laughs> balls deep in Ricky Prejean's Lovecraft. Country. <laughs> and uh, you're going to want to tune in and check it out. They've got some pretty good stuff going over there. <laughs> Anywho, it's a 10 episode miniseries. It's pretty legit. I will say that it starts off kind of slow. The first episode and a half, maybe two episodes, you're wondering what's going to happen, what's going down. And it, it does flip the script. Um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say that. Well, you know what I'll just say is, is, is I'd, I'd check it out. I would say that it's something that I'm not going to give a rating because it's 2020, but I would say it's definitely something you should check out before the end of the year. I, I think when it comes to miniseries and, and, and horror TV shows, this one's going to be closer to the top than the bottom. So I would, I would definitely check it out. It's got some, I mean, Lovecraft country, you can use your imagination and you're going to have an idea what it's about. So. Well, I just recently got HBO max and there's a reason. Okay. Definitely going to dive in. Um, was wait, I was kind of waiting for it to wrap up the first season, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and start watching. Yep. First season's already done and over, so. Yep. Yep. 
Um, <clears throat> my next shotgun review is a 2020, uh, directed by the son of David Cronenberg. I forget his name. <laughs> Something uh, but, Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah, it's Cronenberg, so you know there's going to be some body horror. And by golly, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Possessor. I uh, I really don't I don't really think I should give away anything about the plot. Like I don't I don't nope, think because I haven't seen it. So it. yeah, um, I, I want I just wanted to bring it up definitely and let people know. Check this shit out. Check it the fuck out. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I've seen it. Wow. Um, so yeah. What's that on? Really. Uh, Shutter. You can rent it on Prime. Um, okay. But from what I've been, but from what I've been told, uh, it's not the uncut version which I saw. Uh, okay. <clears throat> through nefarious, nefarious means. Um, so, I'd highly recommend watching the uncut version. Um, okay. <laughs> highly recommend that. Great, great practical effects on on camera. Um, interesting, interesting cinematography for sure. And a very interesting premise and, and idea and how the story. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Oh, bless you there. Oh, it's or as, uh, pepper stray up in here. <laughs> He's got the fucking curry fumes going oh, on. Oh, man. Yep. Well, well um, <laughs> as far as a mind fuck goes, the possessor is a more digestible and entertaining movie to me than Christopher Nolan's Tenet. I haven't seen Tenet. So. It's 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 a mind fuck, but I don't know, man. It, it it's not. I don't think it's as hard to follow as some people were making it out to be. Other than the dialogue is kind of muffled, and then and then Nolan turns around and starts justifying why why his, his dialogue is is kind of like that, and because he experiments with sound design, and then people get mad at him for explaining his art. It's like. Fans have a complicated relationship with Christopher Nolan. That has nothing to do with Possessor. 2020. Sci-fi horror. Body horror. It's fucking awesome. Check it out. All right. It's on my short list for sure. So, Okay, so my first one was a mini-series. My second one is a short, actually. Funny story with this side story. Slasher app, guys. We're, we're not... I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you to do this. There's, there's no skin in the game. I'm not getting paid or anything like this. Check it out. The Joe Blow Horror Show has a page on there, and I will have people reach out to me for certain things to review books or whatever, movies. Uh, this individual reached out to me and said, hey, I'd like you to watch this and uh, give us a shout-out on the show if you could. And I checked it out. And it was actually pretty good. Um, it's a short movie, but it's 41 minutes long, which if you think about it, that movie Host came out this year, which was like 60 minutes long. So the difference with this is this is legitimately a, I would call it a fan film. It is, I mean, it, this would, wouldn't be much more different than you or I wanting to, you know, do something we are passionate about for a movie. The difference is, is this was actually surprisingly good. 
when he asked me, I'm, I'm a sucker. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll check it out. And then I clicked on it and I was like, holy fuck, 41 minutes. I was like, this is going to be at least a poop and a half before I finish this thing. And <laughs> I started, I started watching it and I was like, wow. And I sat there until my fucking toes started going numb. I was like, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> um, I would highly recommend checking it out. The movie is called Tales of a Scorpion's or no, Tales of a Scorpio's Stinger. It's a 2020. It's on YouTube, and I'll tell you right off the bat. I, I typically I don't rate these, but I'm gonna rate this one just so you can check it out. I gave it a six out of ten, um, and, and, and that's a legit rating. That's not like a you know like a bias something or another. I mean, it, it's it's it it holds up. It's a without it's gonna giving, be better than Darkness Falls at least. Yes, it's gonna be way better than Darkness Falls. The acting is even better <laughs> than Darkness Falls. <laughs> but That's no, I will hard, say bro. that you have to really appreciate what goes into this. The story is so off the wall and bonkers that it actually kind of works. The acting is actually pretty legit, and there's a couple parts that made me laugh. I thought the dialogue i mean typically with with movies and and passion films like this you're gonna see flaws in things such as the acting or the dialogue and this actually was not that case i mean there's you know movies or cult classics out there <coughs> oh my god got fucking curry in my throat that have um yeah so anyways check it out i mean give the guys some love it's on youtube it's called it's called tales of a scorpio stinger uh i would call it a slasher-esque type movie but it's 41 minutes watch it in a couple different you know sittings if you have to but check it out it sounds awesome um yeah i'm gonna have to go and watch that because i watched um never hike alone in the snow or yep. never hike in the snow yep forget the exact way they word the title it's another short film you can find on YouTube and a 2020 and it stars your boy, Jason Voorhees yep. and a surprise cameo from his mother's decapitated head plus two other guys who were in some other films. So <laughs> I actually, I, yeah, I don't have anything else for uh shotgun reviews, man. I'm, um, uh, my can's empty. All right. Well, that, wraps up shotgun reviews we are just gonna hop right into our second feature review of funny games Okay, so Funny Games, 1997. This is not rated. This clocks in at 108 minutes. 
Um, I mean, if there was a rating on it, it would be well past R. This is a, I would say, like a German slash Austrian uh, movie. It's subtitled, so you need to know that going into it. I will say that I did not know this was subtitled going in. Um, I had heard about this movie basically because it's one of those that's put in the same category as like, you know, Martyrs or a Serbian film or, or, or something like that where it, it's, it's a difficult watch, I mean, Incident in a Ghostland kind of. Guess, what's the, guess what this got on, on the B? Um, I'm going to say it's probably higher than you think. 6.8. 7.6. Wow. Yes. Uh, what about uh, Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, man. I have no way to gauge that with Rotten Tomatoes on this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going uh, to... I'll, I'll say higher than you think again. Oh, okay. Well, then... For the for an average audience, probably seventy in the seventies. I'd say seventy what? Seventy six percent. Eighty three. Damn! So all right. This is surprisingly high uh, as yeah. far as that goes. So this was directed by Michael Heineke. He's, I would say, a well known German ish, uh, whatever Austrian you know, some kind of European director. I would say outside of that, the only thing people would, would recognize him for is he directed the 2007 remake of this. Um, he also wrote this movie. It stars uh, Susan or Suzanne uh, Lothar. Wait a minute. We weren't supposed to watch the 2007 version. No, shut up. <laughs> uh, oh, I saw that smile building. Um, <laughs> Suzanne Lothar, uh, she is mainly a German actress. Uh, Ulrich Muhi, uh, he was also a mainly German uh, actor. Arno Frisch, Frank Gehring, Stefan Klepschimnitschmann, and <laughs> Doris Kunstmann. So basically, it's all German actors. I mean, it's not like a Christoph Waltz or whatever, where they made the transition to American film. But there, hey, there's a guy in there. His name is Wolfgang Gluck. Gluck? Gluck. Did not know that, but... Okay, so this movie has some pretty legit trivia. And, and I'm going to first off say that if you haven't seen this movie, I would pause this, watch it, and come back to it because there's a lot of this is one of those movies where it's going to be pretty powerful upon first watch. If you don't know what's going on because the the title does not give anything away about this movie. Um, I mean, Tibu fill us in. Did you know about this movie or anything before this? I had never, no, I'd never heard of this movie at all um, until you announced that it was going to be the new review for this episode. Okay. So I went in completely blind, not knowing Love it. anything about it. Love it. Okay, that's exactly how you need to go into this. Uh, okay, so trivia. In real life, the characters Anna and Georgi, uh, they were married in real life. The director told the producer that if the film was a success, it would be because the audience misunderstood its meaning. So this had some really deep and heavy undertones 
this originally was supposed to be made in the United States with, you know, American actors and actresses and whatnot. The director was very, he really wanted to make a political statement with this movie. Uh, and ultimately he wanted to. Can I take a stab he, at it? Yeah, you take a stab of it. Then I'll tell you what I have written down. So. I felt like it um, to not jump too far ahead, but when they, they were doing things like breaking the fourth wall, I felt like a theme of anyway had, had a lot to do with sort of like senseless violence. Yes. Um, and also, I don't know. I, I don't know if it, if he was trying to touch on filmmaking it, itself as an art form and how a story structure is supposed to go versus audience expectation. Um, but that's some of the stuff that I was getting from it. Um, subverting, subverting plot detail or like a plot structure in, in such a way as to, well, I don't know. I don't know what he was going for with that, I guess, but I was noticing something going on there. Yeah. So the whole thing is basically him kind of, pointing out the sensationalism and desensitization of violence um, that was being seen or done with American culture at the time, if you will. And, and we'll get into the whole breaking the fourth wall uh, later on, but this motherfucker who's from the land of mind, Fuhrer, right mad at America. <laughs> yeah, no shit. No shit. Come on, director, director Hanky. Yeah. So let's, let's, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's essentially what it was, is he was trying to make a, a statement with this as well. So it is intended that the dog senses danger with, well, okay. So I guess we'll, we'll table that for now. Uh, one of the other crazy things as far as with the, I would say the trivia that I, I, I thought was interesting and maybe in particular with a movie like this is that Georgie in real life, he died of stomach cancer. What less than 10 movies after this move or 10 years after this movie came out and him and Anna did fall in love uh, like a fierce love. I mean, it was, I mean, they really were the yin to each other's yang with this. So he died kind they, of unexpected. They were banging on top of washers and dryers. Yeah, it was it was it was and, ridiculous. And pinball tables. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had a, they had a bunch of kids and everything as well, but he died unexpectedly due to I believe it was stomach cancer. And she like a year afterwards all of a sudden uh died, but they didn't know the circumstances of it. Um it's intended that it was a suicide that she couldn't live without him anymore. Um Damn. but I thought that was kind of relevant slash interesting given the fact that this is the movie they met on um and i mean if you if you want to bring it full circle i mean yeah this this movie started and ended their relationship if you will so it's kind of a sad story but yeah i mean it's it's both of them were dead at a really really young age left behind young kids and everything i mean their kids were like less than 10 years old when she killed herself. Oh, man. So. Yeah. That's, I actually know a family that the same sort of situation went down. Um, kind of the reverse. A male suicide and female OD. And now they have lit, like seven kids that were all below the age of 15. 
just yeah. there. Yeah, it's not good. I make fun of I, I make fun of the, the the fierce love. I didn't know that all this darkness was to follow. Yeah, fuck cancer. Yep. So kind of a sad story, but just kind of weird at the same time, dude. Too just given the circumstances of the movie, uh, as far as that goes. But anyways, TB, why don't you uh, get us into this shit? Talk is cheap, motherfucker. All right, all right, all right. We're back. Why don't you lift us off into the atmosphere with Elon Musk? <laughs> yeah, made, made by Tesla, 1997's Funny Games. Yes. Now, as you were talking about, we start off with a uh, a nice little family, and they're driving through some definitely affluent area, um, I think of Austria, right? It's uh, They're going to a summer cabin by the lake i think it's something that they own you know the funny and thing is is like i was on google maps like scouring austria and germany trying to figure out which lake it was because there it's it's not like i'm in minnesota right now it's not like minnesota where you know there's a bajillion lakes and everything i mean it's 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 there's not a lot out there so I was like trying to figure out, like, give me a clue. What lake are they on? But yeah, anyways, they're, yeah, a little family. It's husband, wife, and a little boy. They're towing a sailboat. And yeah, they're headed to their summer cottage. Ah, they're deciding which record they want to listen to as well. So you have some classical music playing or something like that. And then it's just intercut with like brutal ass motherfucking hardcore. Uh, what, what kind of metal? I don't know. Fucking but, love it. Or punk. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Um, so you get your title, your title sequence like that. How'd you pronounce the father's name? Uh, is Georgi. Georgi. Yeah. I mean, it looks like Georgie, but I think she called him Georg. Georgi. The the little little boy was Georgi Jr. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to call him George and Georgie because I'm not doing that all night long. Georgi. I don't know. I can't do it. So I'm not doing it. Uh, George, his wife, Anna, and the son, little Georgie. He, this one is not being chased by interdimensional clowns and sewers. Uh, he's got another problem. As soon as they get to their neighbor's house or they're passing by their neighbor's house, they start talking to him and they see them with two young men who they, they've never seen before. And this this moment is a little awkward as far as the pacing of the dialogue. Yes. Because I believe it uh I think it's Anna that's asking asking them if they're gonna want them to drop by later or something like that. And there's a a, a moment of hesitation, a pause, and then finally they're given an answer about ten seconds later and it was just so odd. And and I noticed that First, first watching it, I'm like, what just happened there? That's weird. yes, that yeah, it's, I, the same thing. So, just full disclosure, neither of us had seen this movie before. I'd heard only a little about it in passing uh, from another podcast, and I, as soon as they started talking about it, I just skipped everything about it. So, yeah, both of us went into this 100% blind. But the way this scene was shot was, you knew something was up, and. Yeah, yeah. So, so your your red flags are are getting raised with this opening scene with the neighbors for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of. They introduce them though, don't they? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was uh, Ava, I think, and 
yeah, yep. There's two people, so yeah, two different people, and they introduced those those boys as uh, cousins or something. Peter and Paul. Yep. But but they have these cousins uh, from out of town. Yeah, with biblical names. I was just um, gonna say, yeah, Peter and Paul. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was my ears also perked on on that on that beat. Um, I don't know if that was intentional or or not on the the writing, but um, they get there and the, the dog was already at the cottage, right? Or it came in with them. I can't remember. It seemed like yeah, the dog it, was already in there. Um, I think it was in the vehicle with them. It was okay. Well, I missed that. It was the first and only time watched so far, folks. Um, it's it's not long after that. Like they're they're the the movie kicks in kind of right away because the the family's putting their stuff away. Um, the dad and the son, Gudorg and Gudorgi. See, I'm trying. They, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I'm committing, God damn it. I'm going to say the names. They, they're getting ready to set sail. Um, they, they've got their, their boat, their, you know. Well, I think they initially asked the neighbors to help them put the boat in the lake. And they did come over, right? The neighbors did come over with uh, at least one of the boys, right, to help them launch the boat. Um, I believe, yeah, I believe so, because they're yeah. introduced like that. And the mother, the mother is inside while the the, the guys are setting up the uh, setting sail, and she's on the phone talking about what she's gonna prepare for supper and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's a mundane but charming part of the movie. I was yep. just sitting there enjoying watching her talk on the phone. I don't know why, but I but I was. Um, <laughs> and there's a knock at the door. <clears throat> she goes to answer the door, and here we're introduced to. Now uh, help me out here. Paul, right? He's the yes, the first yeah. one to show up. Yeah, um, it, or was it? Yeah, it was Paul. Wasn't the other one Tom, or was it Peter? It's Peter. It's Peter. Okay, okay. I, I I hope I'm not confusing them for the sake of of, of our discussion. Right. Um, well, you got the sh- you got the short, dark haired guy, and then you have the longer, blonde haired Peter. Yeah. So it was Peter that shows yep. up, and he's you know, explaining who he is and who he knows, uh, their, their neighbors and whatnot. And he asked to borrow four eggs. Anna is like, no problem. I've got, I've got a dozen. So four eggs is no big deal. I can still make breakfast and blah, blah, blah. And they're being polite. Yep. But the genius about this movie are the way that there are certain scenes captured. And, and this is one of them that really sets the tone because right. Even from the very, very get go, you sense some kind of awkwardness and that's going to be a theme throughout the movie. But yes, there is some sort of weird kind of awkwardness and, and, and part of it just might be the culture because I mean, this is a European movie and a European take and we're American viewers but ultimately it was pretty awkward, but yeah. So initially it's four eggs that he comes to uh, get because she's cooking something and needs a couple Ava, his cousin or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and she's like, yeah. And don't, don't worry. You don't need to wrap them up. I got this. And he, he goes to walk out and he drops all the eggs and they all fucking break. So she's like, 
this fucking guy. Really, this guy? And you could see the look on her face, too. She's, she is not happy at this point. But she continues being polite, and that tension starts building still. Yes. She gives him four, four more eggs and decides to wrap them up. And while she's doing this, this fucking dunce knocks the fucking phone she was talking on into the sink, into the water. So their phone is ruined. Yay. Motherfucker's breaking their eggs. He's destroying their, <laughs> yes, their own and, phone. Shit. And this is one of those things where as a viewer, it's just cringeworthy. And, and it's one of those where you're, you're almost yelling at the TV, like, stop, no, get out of there, kick him out, get him the fuck out of there. But then, you know, it's, it's different being a film viewer compared to being in a situation like that, because that very well could happen. I mean, there's, there's nothing about this right now outside of awkwardness that probably hasn't happened a million times, you know, throughout history, as far as that goes. But yes, it is building, it's tension building, and it's, it's, getting, it's getting your attention. Uh, we'll, let's just call it that. I like how you said film like three times just now. I know, um, I'm going to take a sip. <laughs> yeah, so he gets his wrapped up eggs and he gets the fuck out of the house. So Anna's relieved that he is gone. Um, Georgie comes in at some point and he asks for a knife. Um, I think that happened in between the egg breaking or maybe right before he said he needed a real sharp knife. So Anna gave it to him. He heads it back out to the boat. At, at, I think it's at this point that Paul comes in and is like, Oh, you know, your, your dog scared my, my brother or whatever, or my cousin. I forget what they called each other or how they relate to each other. But, um, it might even just be friend. I don't know, yeah. but they're both dressed like the same. Like like they're like they're fucking look like uh, Doc bag boys on a tennis court or some shit. Yes, huh? yeah, yeah. Doc, I was gonna call them Doc boys or yeah. They're like wearing boat attire. All is that white. What that is. But yeah, yeah. Up here, we okay. Call it, yeah, right. it's, it's boat attire kind of stuff. But no, you're right as well yeah. too. Yeah, it looks like they're you know ball boys for a tennis match. <laughs> yeah they're gonna fucking be running around on the court snatching up the balls and shit yep. um no well they keep dropping eggs so paul comes in and explains that uh his brother i'm just gonna call him his brother fuck it is scared of dogs so he dropped all the eggs again they're gonna need the last four eggs of the dozen and this is where it's getting really like i was sitting there just like fidgeting like oh my god like this is so yeah, I mean, I I was I was eating this shit up. I was like, this is so they, fucking awkward. They start, they're imposing themselves on Anna, like, yep. And Paul keeps trying to like force her to be like, like, he's like gaslighting her, like she's not polite, like she's the one that's not getting how to be cordial here, and uh, not to be offensive and shit. And doesn't she? She slaps him, right? No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I'm I'm confusing that. Uh. Georg, he comes in. I can't do it. He comes in and she's like, get them out of here. Like, kick them out right now. And he's like, what is going on? Her husband is baffled. Like, what's going on? We got we got to backtrack just for a split second here, too. So, with the whole knife scene. So, yeah, the, the Georgi, the little boy comes in, grabs a knife, goes out onto the boat, and they're cutting some mooring lines for the sailboat. And the knife slips and falls, and the camera pans on that long enough where, as a viewer, you're like, okay, this will come in play 
in the future. So that's in the back of your head. So then, yeah, you know, let's jump cut to, you know. I'm glad you, you, you brought that back up though, because yeah, that does, it, (laughs) it kind of, uh, but yes, it it does do that. And, and it, it is meant for that purpose, I believe. So yeah, Georg is confused. He's like, well, I want to get to the bottom of this. And she's like, I have, his wife says, I have my reasons. Like, motherfucker, kick them the fuck out. And he he tells them that they got to go he, until he can figure out what's eating at his wife. And they, they start imposing on this motherfucker, man. They're like, well, I don't think Peter says much of anything. Paul becomes the mouthpiece for the most part at this yes. point. At this point, yeah, um, he does transition to be the, the quote-unquote boss. Oh, oh, yeah, we're, 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 we're kind of forgetting. We've got to back up a little bit before, uh, Gidorg, I can't do it, man. Before he comes in, um, Paul takes hold of one of his, one of, uh, oh, <laughs> the dad's golf club. Very, yeah, a very awkward scene with the golf clubs. Yes. Same thing too. I mean, this movie is very deliberate because I mean that, that everything with, the, the the cinematography on this was was spectacular. Everything was set up with purpose, and the camera was panning and sitting on items and things and parts of the set that you need to pay attention to. And they made a point of it with the golf clubs even before this all happened. So that was part of the conversation that they had with the neighbors was, hey, we, we got that tea time tomorrow, right? You're coming out to golf they're like, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, hey, can you help us launch the boat? So, yeah, there's a few pieces of – everything is very intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and at, it is that moment where he takes the golf club and he's like, I'm going to go try this out. He heads outside, and from uh, Georg and his son's point of view, Georg – I can't uh, – they hear <laughs> the dog, like, yell. Wah! Yeah, like like he's oh shit, what's going on? And it, it was a big German him. Shepherd too. Yeah, that motherfucker ain't yelping for nothing. That's what causes the dad to even go back to the uh, cottage. So we we've kind of just Quentin Tarantinoed this whole scene for you guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's at this point when the dad gets furious that they won't leave, and he feels disrespected. He slaps Paul in the face, and that was enough. That's that's when the movie flips and now we know that this shit is real because Paul grabs hold of the golf club and breaks Georg's leg. He falls to the fucking floor. He's in pain. Yeah, it's something uh, with his knee. Like he he really messes his knee up. Yeah, man. He broke his leg. He fucked him up. And Anna runs to his side and it's at this point that you're like, God, y'all are just so close to danger and these guys are so nonchalant about it. Like you know, like it's no big deal that what they're doing. Um, it, it's just getting into that mindset of like, well, because I'm watching it, I'm not in it, so that that is different. But if I were Anna, I don't think I would have went and sat right next to those guys at that moment. You yeah, know there's saying? yeah, there's a lot. I mean, and it's the classic from the outside looking in perspective of what you would have done differently. Um, you know, because I mean, I, it's hard for me to watch these movies too, because like, I'm like, as soon as that guy would have, you know, hit me with that golf club, I would have been on top of him and my thumbs would have been so far in his eyeballs. I would have been tickling his brain kind of thing. Dude, I I made my wife take a a personal self-defense class 
and, and it's movies like this just really <laughs> like pay dividends. You're like, yes, you did the right thing. Like ladies, if you ever find yourself in a situation, eyeballs and ball sacks, that's all you got to know. <laughs> Seriously. Take yeah. your thumbs, bury them in their fucking eyeballs, rip their fucking nuts off of them. Anyways. Yes. Oh, this movie was so hard to watch because I, I, I yeah, it just, it just pains me seeing shit like this. But anyways, the, the Paul reveals that he actually used the golf club to kill the dog. Um, and I think, I think this is where, again, forgive first and only time watch. I think this is where he breaks the fourth wall for the first time. Um, oh, hold on. Yeah, I have. Well, okay. Let, if we backtrack just a little bit more, I mean, if, you are one of those where you really didn't see all the, you know, clues coming. The dog is kind of like the harbinger of this movie where it senses the danger the whole entire time. That dog was barking the second those guys stepped on the property. The, the dog knew that something was up. Um, so the dog was kind of the harbinger. It, it sensed the danger with its, its barking. The first time he broke the fourth wall was with a wink. And that's when he hit him with the bat. So he winked at the camera and then broke his leg with the bat, I believe. With the golf club. Or wait, no, 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 wait, wait. No, the first time they broke the fourth wall was with a wink when he was betting that they'd all be dead by the morning. So it was right after he broke his legs, he brings oh, Okay, so this hasn't happened yet. Yes, yep. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's after this that they're like, um, basically they're going to hold them hostage. They have the kid in there. Uh, the broke leg dad and the mom. And then one of their friends comes along on, on their boat, like sailing up to their dock on their property, their, their yeah. cottage property. Right. That's Ava. That's the neighbor, isn't it? No, this is a different, yeah, this is, no, this is not the people from the beginning. It's a whole new set, set of family. So it was like, I, I, it was an older gentleman with his wife and then one other female friend. I think it was three of them. Right. Oh shit! Another unicorn situation. Um, yeah, yep. And the the lady, the <laughs> the the uh, Anna, the wife, she goes out to to greet them, and she basically has to, you know, oh bless you again. And she basically has to do her best to not give any. It's like it's a callback from the very first fucking scene of the movie. Mm -hmm. It's it's a and call that's when it makes yes sense. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what those guys are up to and, and how things are going for people in this neighborhood, this, this lakeside neighborhood of <laughs> yacht selling motherfuckers. Again, like I said, affluent area. And another important thing to note too is as Paul, because it's just Paul down there, I think, right? He, yes, Peter's he, still inside keeping yes. an eye on uh, the, the Gidorgs. So it's just, it's just Paul. And he makes a note. He's like, oh, yeah, you guys are, you know, such and such, right? And they're like, no, no, we're the house on the other side with the overgrown ivy, mm -hmm. which plays a huge part later on. So keep mm -hmm. that in mind. <clears throat> Anna, Anna basically tells him, like, hey, you know, don't, don't worry. We're going to come hang out with you guys after dinner sort of setting up a possible search and rescue, <laughs> you know, in the hopes that, that they can, you know, survive that long. And that the next scene is where the, the bet begins, right? Yes. Yes. 
So this is when they're all together in the, I guess it'd be like the living room or something. Yeah. Then Paul wants to uh, play a little game to start off, you know, their evening of what will end up being murder. He wants Anna to take her clothes off. He's commenting on how good she still looks despite her age or whatever. Guessing her age, yeah. Um, and he wants to see her. So they he ra- this this is this is where I was like, fuck this, man. Like I'd be I'd have flown across that couch. Is the dad sitting on the couch across from Paul and Peter? Fuck this. They take they take little little Georgie, and they wrap a towel around his head. Is it? A blanket? No, the, a, a pillowcase. It's a pillowcase over his head. That's, that's right. They 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 put the pillowcase around his head, and uh, Paul tightens up on it. And he's like, you know, bullying uh, the the kid into not being afraid. And he does this so that Anna can strip and, you know, bear herself. So reluctantly, she does this. And like I said, fuck, fuck this at this point, dude. I would have fuck that dude up. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so she strips and they they let uh, little little Georgie go, right? He doesn't doesn't he haul ass like away from them? Well, I think he asks for something to eat and sends him into the kitchen. Is that correct? I think they do that a few times. There was a yeah. running gag about them wanting to go get food out of the fucking kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He yeah, he does. That's when this is when he runs away and he goes over to the neighbor's house with with the with the ivy, right? They split up at this point. Paul starts chasing the the kid. And Peter is left with the uh, the parents. And don't they ask him not to do this? Like, I guess he seems more innocent because, like I said, Paul's been the mouthpiece yes, the whole time. Yes, yep, yep. And here we get a cool little hide-and-seek in this abandoned house. Like so it's very it, – it's almost like an HOA where they're at. Everything is very, like, gated, like, very tightly gated off. So they have to, like, literally go into the lake you know, up to their, up to their chest to get to the next property because it's all gated. So yeah, little Georgi gets into the next property. All the lights are off. Uh, the doors are unlocked and you already as a viewer are suspecting what's, what's kind of going on. He, he's trying to find people that are there. He's trying to find people home as well. So very, very good, very cool scene. What's starting to unravel right now. Yeah, I, I I get I get like the hide and seek vibe almost because he's Paul's walking around all loud, making noise everywhere. He's not at all worried about this kid, you know, being able to pull a fast one on him. And um, <clears throat> you know, it's <laughs> the movie has told you enough by now. You can almost guess that he's been to that house already. Yes, um, that's what I was thinking at this and point. And uh, I will say that to to harken back because I mean, there's. This, if you haven't seen this movie, this is so difficult to talk about because it does so many things well. The one thing that it does is even though Tibu and I are sitting here like, well, if I was in that situation, it did do a really good job as far as making you feel, and, and this probably has to do with the actor, but with his knee being all busted up, like they really did a good job making you feel because there's multiple times where, you know, they like were, were, were kicking it or pushing on it where his knee was all kinds of messed up. Even though I feel that myself being in a life or death situation would 
do things a little bit different. But again, it's easy for me to say from, you know, my chair when I'm sitting here, you know, a couple beers deep in this podcast. So I'm a foot shorter than you and I'll guarantee you I'd fly across that fucking room. I know you would. He, he does sell the, the fucked up leg though. And we'll see that in a scene coming up. I, I do believe his leg fucking hurts. So Yorgi finds a shotgun uh, and he comes out of hiding. He's going to fucking pop Paul. Paul walks up and explains while he's walking up to him exactly what he needs to do in order to shoot the gun. That it, it, it made me believe that he knew the gun wasn't going to fire, but it also still built tension because he's approaching this kid. This is like a nightmare, man. Like this is a real nightmare yes. happening to this kid. So Georgie, Yorgi, Yorgi, Gorger shoots the gun. The kid shoots the gun. It, it goes off. Nothing happens. Paul returns the kid to his uh, original cottage with, with Peter and the parents. Uh, what's the what's the second game that they play here? Well, I mean, we, we kind of talked a little bit about it, but yeah, they did the bet as far as, as you know, are they going to be alive in the morning kind of thing? And that's when he broke the, f- the fourth wall for the first time where he looked at the camera and was like, I'll bet you guys are, everyone's dead by 9 a.m. Side note here, you watching this at the time, where was your head at during this this whole thing as far as, you know, with what's going on with starting with uh, Georgi running to the neighbor's house? Where was your head at? Where were you expecting this movie to go? I was I was fully expecting him to get the kid. Get the kid how? Not kill him. Oh, okay. Uh, I, yeah, just not kill him, but bring him back. I thought that would happen because I'm like, they're, yeah. they're playing a game. It's going to... We're not getting one <clears throat> scenario here and then it's done. And also I thought if, if something crazy were to go down, it, I don't think it would happen like that as far as what these guys were doing. Cause they talk about being in school. One of them does, uh, they, they have conversations amongst themselves frequently, um, while they're doing all this fucking weird shit to this family. And I think, I think, um, Paul even ridicules Peter about like his weight a few times. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So Peter does break down at some point too and starts crying, which I, I, I think that it could have been interesting to see where they could have gone with that as far as, um, you know, him being of the two people, if you're going to make a case with someone to save me, don't kill me kind of thing, it would be Peter. Um, So I thought that was going to come in more of a role. But and they they beg him they beg him <clears throat> the parents beg him for that whenever whenever Paul leaves to go go get the kid they they do they're trying to kind of <laughs> appeal to him more because he seems more innocent um, than Paul who like I, I keep keep saying he he's been the the main mouthpiece speaking to the family at this point and laying out how things are gonna go so when they are back at the uh, the cottage all together. And that's why I was asking what the next game was because from from here to uh, to what I want to say next, I don't remember every detail, but I do remember the countdown. Yes, yeah, so I believe the next thing that we're really going to come to is when Paul gets hungry and goes into the kitchen to make a sandwich, and mm-hmm. Peter has the shotgun. The camera is focused on. Paul or yeah, P- Peter. Yeah. yeah. You know, who, who's making the sandwich? Peter, right? No, Paul. Paul. 
Paul's, Paul's, making Paul's making the sandwich and the camera's focused on him as Peter has the gun and is, you know, training on, <laughs> well. He's doing like an eeny, meeny, miny, mo between yes. the father, the mother, and the son. And you don't know where the gun is. You don't know who it's pointed at. You just hear the countdown. And it's at this moment that, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I, we are, I think any audience member is going to think it. They're going to think, oh, what if? What if this happens? Right. And this is, the, this is the movie that does the what if. And I love that. I yes. love when a movie actually goes full tilt and fucking does the thing. You hear the shotgun go off. And Paul walks back into the room. <laughs> uh, blood, blood splatter all over the television and the wall. Um, I think it's all over the television. But yes, it, it, yes. It, it's pure, poor little Georgi. He he got a. Uh, he faced the a, inevitable. A right point there blank shotgun. Yes. And this the next. Five minutes, and you say five minutes like, oh, that's not that long. No. Hmm. It's a fucking lifetime. This is my favorite part of the movie because it is done in one shot. It is one continuous shot of the most awkward death scene in cinema history where it just fo- – I mean, the camera pans on dead Georgi so long that it just becomes uncomfortable and it's all in one take. And I, I thought it was, I mean, it, it was, I'm like, I almost wanted to get up, get it, get up and give him a fucking round of applause. Cause that was just ridiculous. All Dude. one scene, one take one. Yeah, it was, it was unreal. Also see, too, put yourself in in the shoes of people that saw this i mean this is 1997 this is unheard of 90s are arguably the worst fucking decade of horror ever and then you have a movie that is like this and it puts you in this position i mean this has got to be like a kick right to the fucking nuts you know for people seeing this back then mhm mhm it's in this and in this long shot you see a completely just a white wall of static must have fallen onto them and like shattered through their every thought and fiber of their being to see their kid just done in like this because they're not at, they're not reacting the way you would assume. And I think it's because of the situation, but Anna's determined to get the fuck out because they're bound. Uh, we forgot to mention that they have been bound by this point, the parents. Yep. Yes. Um, they even try to help each other escape at one point and get caught. But you know, at, at this point, Peter and Paul are like, well, Paul's mad. He's like, well, you fucked up the game. You, 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 you killed the kid. You're not supposed to do that. Or it's something like that. He says, and he's like, well, it's, it's over. And they leave, they leave. And I, I'm not even kidding you, dude. I seriously thought I wouldn't see them again. I thought the movie was going to do that. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I knew spoiler. we were going to see them again, but I was like, where is this fucking going? The, the one thing with this movie is that it fucking, its foundation is built upon dramatic effect. Everything this movie does is for dramatic effect. The long drawn out, you know, camera sequences, the awkward 
moments between the, the, the characters, you know, the dialogue, it's, 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 it's all built on dramatic effect. And yes, you're at this point. And this is another thing too, is it, it, I, I don't, I don't want to come off and say that it was too long, but they, they, they spent so much time without these characters that, yeah, I mean, you were like, okay, you know, what the fuck is going on with the next half hour of this movie? Because I, some, I don't get it. Oh, it well, was, I'm going to reveal here. I, I wasn't, I didn't know the, the runtime. Like I wasn't, I can't, I don't have a way to see, usually see it whenever I'm watching the film or whatever. So I didn't, I didn't even check or know. And based on, I would say after that scene, not too long after that scene. Cause okay. So what happens is, Anna gets loose. She gets her husband loose. And now he's selling that leg for real. He cannot use it. Uh, she has to help this motherfucker get into the kitchen. They start trying to dry off the phone that uh, clumsy ass Peter had purposefully, no doubt, spilled into the sink. And she's she's like, uh, or I think he, the husband, I think uh, Georg tells her, like, you got to go. Like, you got to fucking go. And they they they're they're so distraught and just there. Yeah. There's a couple breakdowns. I mean, a a couple different times throughout the sequence is where it's hitting them. But you know, you have to realize too, is as a viewer, you're probably what 80 minutes into the movie at this point, these people are like eight hours into this whole thing and they're drained both physically and emotionally. So there's two separate times where they just kind of have a breakdown and, and, you know, Georg, for example, just starts crying and it just kind of hits him. And the wife is like, no, pull yourself together. We got to get this shit kind of figured out kind of thing. But yeah, he, you know, hobbles over on his one leg to throw a fucking blanket over his son. And I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. fucked up. It, it's, it's, you know, Michael Haneke, who hurt you? What did they do? <laughs> kind of thing. Because you got to be fucked up. Yeah. The, the, the performances here are, are so on point that, yeah, they're selling – they're selling this 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 miserable shit that's happening. Anna's determined she's gonna get the fuck out of there, so she, I think she climbs out the kitchen window, something like that. Yep, yeah, because they locked the door. It was one of those that has key locks on the inside and outside. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't get out through the doors. So she she hauls ass out the kitchen window, and Georgis is there still trying to uh, resuscitate the phone. I think he's using a hair dryer, right? To dry it out dry it out yeah because like they they dry it out a little bit and it turns on at least so they're making progress so like you're you're kind of in that hopeful phase is like oh they might be able to call out they actually do get a hold of you know her cousin or something at this point but uh, it's they really can't um they, they can't understand each other if you will yeah the signal's all fucked up or the microphone and speaker in the phone something's fucked up Anna's running around I think she goes to some house for help or something and she ends up getting on a uh, on a on one of the roads there or near one of the roads and she she's kind of hiding out on the on the roadside and there are headlights approaching and I'm out. she has that reminds me the best part about the whole scene of little Georgi when he goes away is that scene where he goes to grab the gun and he sees the feet of the little girl. That right there was the point, the turning point of the movie where I was like, okay, 
I have no idea where this is going to go because at that point you're led to believe, yeah, they killed the mom, they killed the dad and they killed like the little fucking eight year old girl as well too. So that, that scene of him getting Georgi getting away was all just to, you know, further the, the plot as far as where the viewer is expecting it to go because yeah, they did kill that entire family and the little girl. So at this point you're like, Holy fuck, you know, it's, it's no holds barred they were solidifying like the, the sadistic nature of these motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, so she, she and me were having the same, the same inner monologue or, or thought process of like, I don't know who that is in that car coming. And if I got to take a chance and try to save my husband and myself. So she, she doesn't do it. She doesn't go out into the road and, I honestly felt a little bit of relief that she did not do that because that, that fear of, could it be Peter and Paul driving oh. along, you know, or some other people that want to hurt her uh, that are out here. But then she sees another pair of headlights and I knew it, man. I knew with the move, I was like, it's going to be them. Here they are. They're back. I thought they were going to be gone, but that's going to be them. And guess what? It's motherfucking Peter, motherfucking Paul. Mm-hmm. They kidnap Anna, bring her back to the cottage so they're back in the movie now and they're going to play another game with her. And I think it's like, you get to choose which one of you dies first because they're both going to die. The bet yeah. was, the bet was by the way that um, they would all be dead. The family would be yeah, dead by, by 9, 9 in the morning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and, and we're not, we're not far off from, from that time. So I guess the game resumes and it's who you decide which one of you dies. And Anna in this moment manages to get the shotgun and shoot Peter in the chest, straight up shoots Peter in the chest. And at this moment, I'm like, Oh fuck. This is where the movie's going to fucking give me my femme fatale. She's going to fuck them, you know, fuck these guys up. The dad with the broken legs, probably going to get in on it too. And then Paul reaches down, grabs a, a remote control, and rewinds the movie. Breaks the fourth wall. He shatters the fourth wall. Yes. He, he becomes God in this moment. Reverses time and doesn't allow Anna to get the shotgun. And so Peter is completely fine. Uh, <laughs> they kill George. I don't remember exactly. What, what do they do to him or do they even show that? I, I, I don't remember, actually. Sorry, audience. Um, go watch the movie. <laughs> they, they, but they do kill his ass because it's the next morning. It's, you know, breaking dawn outside. And they, they bring Anna out to the boat uh, where that knife is. Yeah. And that's where I was like, okay, all right, movie. This, final you girl. One, yeah, you got yes. one final scene where you're going to where you're going to fucking you're going to finally finally these motherfuckers are going to get it so she gets hold of the knife and she's trying to cut herself out while they're talking um the two the two guys well they see her doing it and they stop her from doing it and, and that's it all just that's goes, it it's it's the most i would say dismissive scene ever like yeah they brought that knife back but guess what what you thought was going to happen is not going to fucking happen it don't fucking matter, man. That knife don't matter. None, nothing they were ever going to do that night mattered. These two dudes were just too, fuck it. They're too nihilistic to give a shit 
and they were going to kill them all anyway. And apparently Paul controls time. So I don't know what to tell you there <laughs> in the narrative of, of the film. Uh, Paul, maybe say oh, it. I know they bring hold the, on a the, second. The, time out. Time out. Talk is cheap. Motherfucker. Okay, we're going to try to get back on track here. We had a colossal collapse of the internets and the interwebs. So, but yeah, back to Tibu, I I guess, yeah, bring us back in. Well, at at the end of the movie, what you're left with is the ultimate form of no one gives a fuck. Um, Anna's trying to cut herself loose. As we said, they took the knife and they just kind of... uh, push her over over the side of the boat into the water bound with i I think they even didn't they put a pillowcase on her head at the end ah they might have yeah and and it was just so nonchalant too it was just like an afterthought of like yep okay here you go boom you're done so they win the bet they they killed the whole family before nine in the morning and they sail over to the neighbors that had shown up earlier Yep, <laughs> the house the with callback. The That's the house with yes. the ivies. Yep, yeah. the callback from earlier. Yes, not the other house that I was thinking of that uh, Yorgi went to. Um, this is the house with the ivies, and they're gonna go tickle them ivies. They go knock on the door and yes, they're asking. They uh, they're asking the neighbor lady for eggs. Fuck it, it's gonna Ooh. happen all over again. Starts these, all these over just... again. Oof. That whole movie is just a yeah. kick in the fucking nuts. It really is. It's such a mean spirited movie you know i mean it's it's you don't come across a lot of movies like this you really don't i mean even with us as you know hardcore horror fans where we watch you know i would say the average i mean well over 100 horror movies a year i mean i try to watch 60 plus 20 you know new ones a year not including old ones so yeah i mean this these are a rare breed. Movies like this are just mean spirited. It's a kick in the nuts. There's nothing good you're supposed to feel about this movie because I mean, it does leave you drained. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, you don't get a final girl or a final fight sequence. You don't get any kind of redemption. It's just, this is it. This is how it is. Yeah. I can, I can feel you're coming in high on this one. I'll, I'll start us off if you don't mind. Yep. Go for it. Um, from an objective point of view, I like, and I know that's hard to say when it comes to a movie, but sometimes just the craftsmanship as someone who realizes this is going to work for someone else. So it's not that the movie has any real issues or flaws. It might not, it's just a, maybe a personal thing, personal taste earlier. When, when we kicked off this review, you had brought up a, a lot of films that have those kick in the nuts, gut punch moments and, I've seen a bunch of those types of films. So, so seeing this film wasn't as big of a, of a gut punch as it could have been, say, 10 years ago. Or, fuck, if I'd have seen this in 1997, I lost my goddamn mind. I was a kid. Um, <laughs> objectively, I would give this movie like an eight and a half. But having seen movies with similar themes, I admit the fourth wall breaking was very different. Although whatever the director was going for with that, like I said earlier, I I still haven't quite figured that out. And for that reason, it kind of bothers me. And especially I was kind of ranting about this when uh, we had power outage, but the, 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 the narrative, if you're following the logic of the film and, and you know, what's going on with the story, apparently Paul controls time. I don't get it. 
it, it doesn't seem like the movie is meant for you to take this figuratively either. He just no, I don't think backs up time. Yeah, I don't think Paul controls time. I think that's more of literally breaking a fourth wall and being like, nope, that's not how this movie is going to play out. I think it's just more of a kick in the nuts. So I don't think you're yeah, well, that Paul's, you know, controlling time. I, I see, I, I, and I get what you mean. I, I, I know, I guess the movie's not literally saying he's a master of time, but just narratively, that's the flow of it. And for me, it's a deus ex machina, and I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest fan of that type of storytelling. Um, so when that, when something like that happens, I do get a little bit of a turnoff. So that just, but just that one part. I mean, it's followed up immediately by just <laughs> something we do love on the nightclub, which is fucking cosmic indifference. These guys are the embodiment of cosmic indifference. They don't care about who they kill. They, they're doing it in such, like you said, nonchalant way that it doesn't matter. They're toying with people's minds. It almost seems too like it wouldn't matter to them all that much, really, if they got killed doing it. It's just something that they're yeah. doing for the fuck of it. Or at least Paul. Paul, for sure. You, you, you brought up that Peter's got some emotional baggage. I, I think Paul's really much more into this type of shit but by the end of it they're both just yucking it up and, and moving on so i think i think for me with this movie I, I would i would personally come in at a 7.5 which is still it's still good man i mean it's it's not it's not for me what what i've seen movies that you know what i mean like if you've seen the um i wish i had a good comparison too i tell you this if somebody nowadays who is becoming a horror fan happened to see the new evil dead before the original, you know, something sort of like that, that yeah, vibe yeah. where it's like, God damn, this is so extreme and stuff. And then, okay, I'm going to go back and see the predecessor. Cause if you were talking about films like martyrs and Serbian film, which I haven't ever seen and I'm, I'm good on it, but I know what happens in it. And it's, it's fucked. It's more fucked than this. Um, oh, I would say, by far. Yeah, so um you yeah, you've seen it, you know. Yeah, we did an episode on it. But I have seen films like Antichrist and that to me is way also way more of a fucked up If you haven't seen Antichrist, uh Lars von Trier film from 2009, I believe. You fucking seek that shit out. Sorry to be burying uh <laughs> funny games under the, the 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 gravity of that movie, but I would come in 7.5. I it's totally worth a fucking watch. I mean, I still I loved it. Like I do love the movie. Um it, it's 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 great. It is great and the fourth wall breaking again. I'm I'm just confused by what and that's more more my issue. Like what is that what what is the movie trying to say when it's doing the fourth wall break and talking to the audience and showing me this visceral shit? What does it want me to what am I trying to consider here? Because as a horror fan, I'm coming to the movie for this. I know you said he's trying to make it a commentary about um, violence in society, you were saying? Yeah, sense uh, sens desensitization of violence, you know, sens sen oh my gosh, sensationalism. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a, a, a social commentary. Um, you know, well, in, on that, in that regard, then, it's ahead of its time. I mean, we still had gory movies before this that were even gorier right. than this. But just for him to point that out and then have the subsequent films that, that, that you laid out earlier follow. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, th th this movie, the kid getting killed in this movie would have been would have been the same 
gut punch, as you put it, for me is in Hereditary uh, when that scene happens, the telephone pole scene. Yeah. But I saw that one first. So it's, it's kind of like, I hate saying this and I wish it, it is, it's desensitization, man. Like it's, it's exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. That it's, it's, it's intriguing. Cause by the yeah. time I saw his movie, I'm like, yeah, but I've seen this yeah. type deal still though. Great performances. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm rambling about it. You go ahead. No, no, you're good. I mean, my cons are, are on par with yours. The first thing and the biggest thing I have is the breaking of the fourth wall. Um, and I think that he put that in just because he's a European guy that is assuming American moviegoers are, are stupid. So he's got to put, you know, those two or three instances in the movie of breaking the fourth wall and be like, hey, look at this. This is what we're doing. Do you see what's going on? However, I think that it takes away from the movie because this is not a movie like I, I think it would have come across a lot more or, or come across better, if you will if this was a wide release in a theater, but the people that see this movie are going to be like you and I, who are going to be the seasoned horror vets. You're not going to have random people scrolling. I mean, this isn't on Netflix. This isn't on Amazon prime. You have to seek this out. So I think that his whole idea and with him thinking he was clever doing that breaking of the fourth wall, I think it backfired. I really do think it took away from the movie overall. So that really, irked me and I had a problem with it. I think that the rest of what I have to say about my cons are going to be a product of what this movie is. And that's going to be, if I can read my, so dark in here. I would have liked to see some kind of motive from the killers because there's no real plot development. I mean, again, to harken back, I mean, this, I think the problem with that is that this movie was not made for that. This movie was, as you said, or as we talked about, it's a social commentary. I mean, he's, he's really trying to make a point here. So that becomes kind of a moot point in a movie like this. But, you know, coming from just the perspective of a horror fan, a horror movie fan, I, I would have liked to see some kind of plot development, some kind of backstory some kind of motive uh, with these people. Um, but, you know, the same side of that coin or the, the opposite side of that same coin, you know, you've got that ambiguity of maybe that's what kind of gives it its charm, if you will. So, but no, the curious side of me is just like, what's, what's up with these characters? Because it's something's something's up with them to be as nonchalant as they are with just killing families and kids and just not even batting an eye you know i mean if it was one person it would be different but it's two i have a um i have a crazy fan theory that i just made up they're part of the cult of cthulhu they dump the mom in the lake cthulhu is a creature of the deep there we go they're part of the fucking cthulhu mythos this shit's cosmic as fuck now boom there you go it's <laughs> welcome to lovecraft country <laughs> uh -huh. My con or my pros in this, I thought overall the acting was great. Paul, the character that played Paul was superb. I thought that he was done so well. And also too, I want to bring back a little bit of trivia as well. So not only did Georgi in real life die of stomach cancer, Anna, his wife, ended up dying of a suggested suicide what the heck is his name i can't remember which one is i think it was paul the actor that played paul died of alcohol poisoning shortly after this oh wow 
So, he was that nihilistic fuck. Yeah, so three of the, what, four or five main characters in this movie are dead. So that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm almost positive it's actually Paul. Uh, this could be on um, the Shudder series, Cursed Films. Yeah, no shit. Throw it on there. Give me a shout out. <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, this movie just, when you really think about what a movie is, what it does, what its intentions are, is it supposed to elicit some type of feeling? So this is one of those movies where it's definitely not going to be for everybody, but, you know, for example, comedies, you know, their whole prerogative is to make you laugh. Uh, horror movies are a lot more broad in that spectrum because, you know, they can make you sad. They can make you scared. You know, they can gross you out. This is one of them where I think it's craft. What it develops is, is near perfection because of the scenes starting off in the very beginning with the eggs. I mean, as a movie goer, you're sitting there, you're, you're, you're like squirming in your seat. You're cringing. You're like, this is so bad. I know what's going to happen. And you're wanting to yell at the, you know, this elicits so many different types of feelings in there. I think it does a, a great job. All in all, I'm coming in at a 7.75. Um, so really not too much, a little bit higher than you are on this. And I knew I was hovering around the eight range and you know, again, my rating scale is a little bit different. Uh, I watch a movie, I know about where I'm at. And then I've got this massive catalog and I just start scrolling through and I'm like, all right, where's this going to place in all these other movies? And it's right in there, 775. I, I really do want to go higher on this, but I think it's just one of those where I don't know that I want to watch this again. And I don't know how much replay or rewatchability this movie comes with it just because it is such a gut punch kind of thing. And I, mean, it's just I would say this as a rewatcher, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch this movie again. Yeah. Um, I think I got it. I think this is one where I saw it the one time and I know exactly how I feel about it. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. I know exactly how I uh, feel about it. And uh, like, I, like, and I, I want to agree though, like what this movie intends to do, what it intends to do, it does effectively. Um, so me saying that I've felt the gut punch before, so this one was a little less, doesn't mean that, you know, for somebody else, this isn't their gut punch, the one that's really going to fucking knock their socks off. Um, it very well could be this movie. I'm not a big fan of home invasion films. Oh, I fucking uh, love them. And, and that, and that, hey, man, uh, it's just part, again, just part of taste. Um, Have you seen Your Next? That I was going to actually bring up Your Next as one that I actually love. Um, that movie is awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of great imagery from that film. Um, and I love lasting imagery again, yeah. longevity. So, well, the cool, yeah, I thought you were going to come in at like a fucking nine. I thought you were, I, it felt like you were loving this movie. Um, but yeah, yeah. 7.5 7. from, from T boo and 7.75 from boss tuna. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm glad you picked it because I probably never would have seen this movie. Right. And, and I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you as, as I'm not going to actively seek out this movie to watch again. However, this is a movie that if I did rewatch it, it would be with certain friends of mine where it'd be like the, Hey, you got to check this out. I want to see your reaction. I want to see. Yes. Yeah. So that's, I, I, I can't see myself rewatching that in, that respect so that wraps up 
Funny Games, 1997. Oh, side note, I will, however, be watching the 2007 remake for sure. It's got, so. it's got Tim Roth in it. Fuck yeah. Go oh, see shit. that. Okay. Yeah, I won't be yeah, – I mean, it'll be after uh, – it'll be next year after – I mean, I got to catch up on 2020 watches. But, no, I'll, I'll be watching sure. that for sure probably in the spring. So, But, no, that wraps up Funny Games – 1997 do you have anything else before we <laughs> wrap up uh, in this show and get into our final segment of the night yeah just <laughs> just a few more of those i wish peter would have done that every once in a while just been sitting there and <laughs> just kind of yeah, like right. chuckle to himself all freaky and shit no man um yeah what, what what's uh let's talk about what's coming up we are gonna hop right into the featured segment for episode 29, and that is Actor Spotlight. This episode, we are going to have a little chat on a very well-known actor. He is a legend in his own right, and we will be talking about none other than Lance motherfucking Henriksen. And it's not oh, Henriksen. I hear all you fuckers out there that don't know proper grammar and it's, it's Henriksen, not Hendrickson. And it's, <laughs> I couldn't care less, not I could care less and make sure when you say and use the word there, you're using the proper anyways. Okay. So Lance Henriksen born <laughs> May 5th, 1940. He is 80 years old. The jury is still out whether this sex machine is even of this earth. He has been so busy working with 259 film credits that he forgot to name his children, but rather he calls them Alchemy, Feast, and Sage. Shout out to you three. I, I'm sorry, question mark? Yeah, those are wow. his legit names of his children. Recently, we know at the Joe Blow Horror Show, Lance Henriksen is Ed Harley, Ed Harley, in Pumpkin. Ed Harley. pilot in exorcism at 60,000 feet but let's back this truck up a little bit to see where this legend got his heart he spent his youth he's a troublemaker he followed in his father's footsteps however to straighten his ship out and he joined the navy in 1955 that's a long fucking time ago that tells you how old this guy is and he joined the military at 15 years old that means he had to have had his parents sign off on it he didn't get to acting, however, until he was 30. And how it started was is he was actually a set designer. He has a little bit of an art background. So he did a lot of murals and, and, and was kind of artsy-fartsy painting, which you might kind of tilt your head to the side because he is kind of a Hollywood tough guy. He is very well known as certain villains and kind of the tough guy in movies. Uh, fun fact, it wasn't until, it wasn't until then uh, that he brought himself – to read so he was basically literate until he was in his 30s and he taught himself uh, to read um, he was stationed over in Europe working as a stage uh, uh, actor and, and doing some set designing and taught himself to read so did he come um, from the fucking town in Pumpkinhead in real life or something was, it, was he that guy before he <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his dad, his dad was uh, Swedish. Or, or, I think it was Swedish, maybe Norwegian. Yeah, his dad was right off the boat, uh, you know, hard, hard worker. And his dad was in the, the Navy as well, too. 
his dad had a kick-ass nickname. It was called like Ice Killer or Ice Hand or something like that because he was like a boxer in the Navy uh, from Sweden. Oh, so yeah, yeah. So royalty in his blood. It wasn't long into his uh, acting roles, you know, but he really started off he was very fortunate. Um, he right away was in, I mean, he had small roles, but he was in very popular and notable films such as a dog day afternoon, close encounters of the third kind and the omen Two. Um, he was even considered in the role of the terminator, but as, uh, the second call out to the governor, uh, Schwarzenegger ended up getting that one. So that's twice that we mentioned him in this one episode. That's, that's, Cray cray. Okay. Maybe his most memorable role came in the Alien franchise. Um, obviously, we know that he was Bishop in there as well. But however, he branched out and he did a lot of voice work in video games. This guy is a true definition of a workaholic. Though his career is likely nearing its end, his filmography will keep any fan busy for quite some time. Aside from the movies that we'd mentioned um, on this show and just uh, uh, momentarily, I would, I've got a list here of movies for you to check out. So if, if you are a Lance Henriksen fan and you have not seen these movies, make sure you check them out. The first one is called mansion of the doom. The second one is the visitor. Next we have savage dawn. After that, we have man's best friend. (laughs) after that we have mind ripper followed by sasquatch mountain and lastly a potential future zombie gem daylight's end and that right there wraps up the life and career of lance henriksen i love this guy i love him yeah man bravo bishop Bravo. That's right. Anything you want to say about Lance Henriksen? Are you a fan of him, his work, anything? I don't go as deep as like the only movie I knew that you mentioned just now out of those recommendations was man's best friend. Yep. Um, but, but I mean, I've seen all the other movies you mentioned that he's in the bigger ones. Like, yeah, I know him as Bishop because I love the alien franchise to death. Pumpkinhead, obviously. And it was, it was cool to uh, see him like we talked about on uh, exorcism at 60,000 feet. I didn't know that little fact about the Terminator. So that actually would have been cool uh, in a parallel universe to see him play the, you know, the titular character. Yep. Him Just and like James Cameron. Yep. Him and James Cameron are friends and James Cameron did actually cast him. He was uh, Vukovic in Terminator. So, I mean, he wasn't the movie. He just wasn't, you know, uh, Damn, the Terminator. Steve. And you know what? I mean, that really is Schwarzenegger's breakout role. Uh, was as a Terminator, so um, yeah. maybe it's a good it thing. Been... Yeah, yeah, you never know where his career could have gone had he been cast as Terminator. So, mm-hmm. so I'm a fan of him when I see him on screen. Yeah, love Lance. Awesome. Well, uh, Tibu, anything you want to recap or touch on before we wrap this bitch up? Don't let strangers into your house when they're asking for handouts, especially eggs. Bad time. Especially eggs. Yeah. No poultry, no poultry here. No. Did you know that egg salad might as well just be called chicken salad? Pretty much. That's right. And with that, (laughs) folks, I hope it was as good for you. Oh, wait a second. 
Back this train up. How about we talk about what's going on next episode there, bud? Yeah, bud. All right. Um, so, so I've got the new movie. I've right? got the old oh, wait. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, for my film, on the next episode of the Joe Blow Horror Show, I've chosen a movie from da, 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 1997. Can you believe it? Two movies or two films in a row. Uh, so yeah, you're gonna get a blast from the '90s past, a decade like uh, Boss Tuna said is awesome. Frequently shit all over my chin. Give what? it to me. What is it? <laughs> blast it. Well, people people frequently shit on the '90s, man, but I think the '90s is a little underrated because we're gonna be we're gonna be watching a Canadian horror film called Cube. Ooh, okay. Very familiar. Mm. I just watched it actually, so. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. So, Cube, 1997. We're breaking the mold a little bit here uh, because that's one of, I would say, a trilogy, I believe, right? There's three or four of them. Nope. We're good. We're watching. Nope. We're doing doing the Cube. It's happening. It's happening. This is is the brand new Joe Blow Horror Show. We're, We're doing it. We're doing it. So... I'm not gonna lie. I forgot about the the rules there. Um, in in a fervor, in a fervor, when I thought about the movie, I was like, "Oh shit, that's gonna be fun." Uh, no, oh, we're yeah. good. Uh, Drunk Darius isn't here, anyways, to correct us. So, Cube, no. 1997. <laughs> we are watching that. So we're gonna actually uh, hop in a time machine, and we're gonna go ten year. <gasps> Excuse me. We're gonna go ten years earlier than that. With the movie, that, that's why, if you remember in part one of this episode, I was just saying there's a lot of parallels being drawn with the devil and Satanism in episode 29. And I knew before you even gave us your discussion topic about Satan cinema that this was going to be my old movie, and that is Angel Heart, 1987. So, have you seen? I'm glad you... No, I'm glad you picked that because I've always wanted to. Uh, Robert De Niro, right? Yeah. Mickey Rourke. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I want to see. I've always wanted to watch it. Never have. So I'm. I'm very excited. Yes. So it's it's crazy how I, I mean again our our brain's natural tendencies to to look for patterns. But dude, there's been a lot of Satan shit going on with this episode. So make sure you're tucked up real tight and don't let your feet hang over the edge of your bed, or else the devil's gonna tickle your your feet and maybe you're chode if you're lucky. So, um, okay. So old movie is angel heart, 1987 new movie is cube 1997. The discussion topic this week. And if you're one of those that listen to the exploding heads, horror movie podcast, this is not going to come as a surprise because we talked about this a little bit in the chat thread there. Discussion topic for next episode is going to be your favorite movies to watch when snowed in or in Tibu's case where, or anyone else who doesn't have the luxury of seeing four seasons and a snowflake, it's just going to be your favorite winter horror. So let's go with our top five winter horror slash favorite movies to watch when snowed in. Love it. That's awesome. That's a cool topic. Yep. And to carry us out of this, Tibu is going to talk about his brand new 
spanking new hot off the press segment. Let's hear it. Yeah, the name of this new segment is going to be called What a Twist. Ooh, um, what a twist. <laughs> it, it's, uh, that's why I, I bold, uh, made, emboldened M. Night Shyamalan earlier in uh, part one. Uh, the, the idea behind this is that Boss Tuna and I are going to have to bring a film to the fold that each have a wild twist in the film. Um, it doesn't have to be a twist ending necessarily. It just a wild twist. It could be one you saw coming. It doesn't matter. Just bring a movie with a twist. And uh, he, he had the uh, cool idea of we're going to see which, which movie had the better twist out of the ones that we picked. So I, I think this is going to be fun. And, and it's something that, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't know if anyone's done a comparison like this between a twist ending and a film. Not that I've ever heard of. Not, not that I know of as well. So it'll be fun for sure. Fucking so. A, man. Awesome. What a twist. Okay. Well, uh, anything else before we uh, wrap this bitch up? No, I just thank you all for listening. Remember, check out Joe Blow Horror Show on Slasher app on Facebook. Um, you know, we interact with people there. Uh, Boss Tune is the guy behind the the social media stuff, but um, I'm interactive online with everybody as well. You can find my stuff, uh, the nightclub, all over the fucking place. Um, that's about it. Check check out our shit, man good stuff and and follow joe blow horror show write an email god damn it um we had um a giveaway going on for a while and boss tuna's got more shit to give away so we need some folks to uh hit us up that's right thanks again to trevor blanchard um we love hearing from our fans and you'll have that uh that book probably by the time you hear this episode so with that folks i hope it was as good for you as it was for us Boom.